Hello and welcome to another edition of the Race Lens Breeders' Cup uh, Prep Race Preview Shows. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker. Once again, my brain is pudding, people. I'm not going to lie. I've been uh, going uh, since, I've basically been on air since about 8 a.m. this morning, but uh, there's one more show I'm very excited to do. It's going to be talking about this uh, Race Lens In The Money Media collaboration we've got going and i'm very excited to be joined once again before i tell you about that to be joined once again by the man you see on the other side of the screen he is race lens power user matt fag volgy matt how are things things are good things are good long uh long long week but uh glad to be ending it uh talking some horses and uh looking at a uh plethora of uh, uh when you're in races this weekend pete so we're brought to you by Racelands, and we have this promotion going on right now where you can save $300 on a Racelands annual subscription and get a $200 value year of ITM+. Plus. And the reason I mention it in part is uh, it's the best time to sign up for In The Money Plus because if you were to sign up today just to do a month of it, you would get all of our Keeneland coverage all of the extra stuff we're going to have in the run-up to the Breeders' Cup. Our Breeders' Cup package has been very popular over the years. We've had many highlights, including Drew Cody last year, basically uh, delineating his exact strategy that he ended up using to win the BCBC. We want folks to check it out. I think the smartest way to do it, uh, and you'll hear more about Race Lens during the course of this show and during the course of the shows we're going to be doing uh, soon as well, but about what a powerful tool this is, Matt. And I know race lens has been something that has really been influential in your horse playing over the years. Yeah, I uh, I pretty much used it since they, uh, they they rolled it out. I was very interested in it, and you know, like we mentioned the last time, what really drew me to it was the fact that you can model without having a modeling background, right? So you can you can do a lot of the stuff that I really wanted to do, but didn't you know really have the uh, the know how. Um, you know, I'd say I'm, I'm, I'm above, well above average in Excel, but, uh, when it comes to this stuff, drawing a lot of different data points and, and also understanding that the different things that you could run and, and, you know, put together some angles, it was all based on the information from Equibase. So pretty much anything that you want to look at is there. So that, that's what really drew me to it. And, and it's been a really good source of, you know, just building some broader data than drilling down and trying to guide me to the right places. And, and, and again, like I said before, uh, it stays with you. Once you create it, it's always there and, and it remains active. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's been a good base in terms of the information, the research side, it's been, uh, it's been a really big part of my, uh, my horse playing, uh, uh, endeavors. What we're going to do over the course of the next 25 minutes or so is show how you use race lens to find angles into races. This will, you know, it may, it may lead to some tips. It may not lead to some tips. We'll certainly talk about the races as we go too, but I wanted you to have the ability to share your screen so we can get a little bit of a sense of, um, how you use the program? Where shall we begin? Uh, well, again, this is this is the the home like destination screen where you've got all of your tracks on on the left side here. Uh, we'll we'll start over at uh, at Aqueduct or Belmont at the Big A. I still I'm just going to go with Aqueduct. Um, it's the more genuine way of describing it. In print, I like Belmont at the in parentheses, and then you know, but it's. I find my I, I find myself falling, you know, and I and I'm a marketer for a living, so I respect it in a way. But I find myself guilty of like deferring almost to calling it Belmont, being like, no, no, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, well, personal grudge with some of the independent modeling I do. Um, it the track code screws me up all the time, so I'm trying to import something that doesn't exist, and it uh, it drives me nuts. <laughs> anyway, we'll leave my my personal gripes aside. 
But one thing I wanted to point out because a lot of you know with a lot of action going on this weekend and a lot of great different bets, like unique offshoot bets that are out there, um, like what you guys talked about last night with this uh, Keeneland San Anita uh, pick six that's going on. Um, and then you have special turf pick threes. And, and you know, when the golden hours running, you have all these different types of specialty bets. What I wanted to point out is that you don't have to to run through all the different cards and, and kind of go back and forth. So I'll give you an example. For instance, if you want to play that Keeneland San Anita pick six, it's a separate file here. So if you click on that, it'll automatically populate all of those races for you. So you don't have to go back and forth from Keeneland back to San Anita, then back to Keeneland. Um, so that's something that I've always liked. There's a specialty bet out there. I love to play the golden hour bet. Uh, sad to see uh, Golden Gate go. Uh, but that was one bet that I really enjoyed playing both the double and the pick four. You, you click on that and boom, you got all the races there. There's no reason to uh, to, to jump back and forth. That is really um, neat. So what do you want to let's, let's go to... Yeah, yeah you pick. Let's, let's get it. Let's... Yeah, let's let's roll through um, at Aqueduct and start with with the uh, Frisette. I know it's a short field, but what I want to do tonight is to kind of set some different ideas of what Pete and I will go through as we do more of an evergreen style content of different ways and different avenues you can research. And you know, one of the things I'll talk about here is, you know, obviously when you're out there, you're looking to play these types of races, especially in a short field, right? If you can if you can knock a favorite, it's certainly a good thing, right? So. Um, you know, looking at through these, I think this is going to be a pretty evenly bet race. But if you look at the morning line favorite, uh, life talk, um, you know, what I did was I, I, I looked at it from the sense of, um, you know, w- what I feel would be an evenly bet race. I do think that life talk will probably go off as the favorite uh, is the is the nine to five nine to five morning line favorite. Um, but one angle that I have, here, I've been following this for for a while, is looking at um, you know looking at Pletcher. And making a particular move, going from a maiden win right into graded stakes, and that meets life talks. Actually, a couple of horses running on the day that meet this uh, meet this criteria, and it was pretty interesting. If you look at this particular this particular move, and again, I can you know hover over it here. You can see all the different angles that pop up. So everything that I've I've run that match this particular horse, whether it's a connection, whether it's a jockey, whether it's the the run style of the horse, you can see all these different things that pop up. And when I hovered over it, I noticed this in red. When you see something in red, it's it's going to have a negative result. See something in green, it's it's something positive. If it's white, that means it's somewhere in between. Not not quite positive, not quite negative. But I took a look at this and I was it's pretty interesting to see this particular stat. And there, there you know, there's a decent amount of, of of data behind it, but I'll give you kind of the numbers for it. Um you know, if you look at over the last six months, he's over six with this move. And again, it's Pletcher going from a maiden win to to a graded stake. So over six in the last six months. And then even over the last five years, um, just twelve percent winners and a negative sixty three percent ROI. So just seven for fifty seven. So I thought that was a pretty interesting look at maybe taking a different view of, of a horse that I think might be uh, might be the favorite or might take the lion's share of the money. I Let think. Me let me interrupt for one second, Matt, just because it's so funny because I had noticed this today and it actually contributed to my getting stuffed in a locker with candied in the Alcibiades exact same yeah. angle. And, you know, that just but that doesn't mean that it's not valuable information. You know, it's it's but it, it goes to show that, you know, these things can, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, variance and things that go on. But. I just I had had the same thing. I, I said it on TV. I was talking about how you know 
obviously it's hard to do and it's something that, but you know, when you look at that ROI, people just assume that Pletcher's always going to be able to do it. And yeah, he did today in the Alcibiades, helped by the fact that Brightwork didn't stay and that, uh, you know, Vivi's dream maybe backed up a little bit off the race last time, but it's still great information to have. And tomorrow when it comes to opposing life talk, I'm happy to go right back to that well. Yeah, again, it's it's one of those things where I remember exactly when I created this this angle was at Saratoga. Literally sitting there watching the races, and I I just felt like I just feel like I I've, I've seen Pletcher struggle with this move. You know, I'm curious. Let me take a look and run it. And again, that's that's the point of showing something like this. When you have an idea, you see something, you're trying to like test what your eyes are seeing with the actual numbers to give you a broader look. But P, like I said, there's different data points out there to play data and and statistics straight. You're gonna you're gonna have a lot of pain in this game. I'll tell you that. Um, so looking at the entire picture is certainly important. But this is something there where it's like he struggles here. Let me then take a deeper look try to find a way to you know leave the horse out or try to find a different angle in a small field. So that's how I like to look at this. If I see something like that that jumps out, I'll dig deeper to the details and go through the different, you know, different sheets. See, and then again, see how the horse plays into the field. But I thought that was interesting looking at that kind of a negative angle with, with definitely. And then you combine it with the fact that you just look at a pace map for this race, which whichever one you want to look at and live talks going to be way behind a runner like Emery, who is going to be running here, who has what I think in a short field going a mile is an advantageous post. I mean, to me, I'm okay fading live talk and, uh, and going to the hoop. With Emery in this spot, uh, JK had made a case for just FYI on the other show as well. But uh, yeah, I'm all about Emery in here. If you have you looked to the degree where you have any kind of selection, or is it you're more just using this as a, a starting point? And you'll figure it out as you go. Uh, I would say looking at more of a start, but uh, I I agree uh, a lot with Emery. That that's who I'm I'm heavily heavily leaning towards uh, in this race. Uh, I just think so move from brad cox that second start out and and i'll point something out here with with emory as well if you scroll down here so underneath the pps you'll see um some nice preset data you can play around with this as well but it's something that's there and it's easily to see and you can you can cross reference it with when you're looking at the past performances right we talked about the last time of just a good breakdown of on the jockey and, and and trainer stats here obviously a lot of good when you look over at Brad Cox and as well, all as green, Franco, yeah, all, all green. Green is uh, green is always good, right? So again, it's not, but it's not anything surprising, right? But when I look down here, if you if you look at the, this this Brad Cox angle here, on a trainer standpoint, so what this is showing here is Brad Cox's record, uh, second career start, and you know, again, a pretty broad angle here, but uh, man, it's just for have a sample size like this. 34% winners, 65% of the money, still having a positive ROI of plus 6% and a median win of $5. What that does, it just, it really gives you at your fingertips a lot of really good information. And I find this this section as well is also handy when it comes to, again, not in this particular case. Well, I mean, second start, you may consider to use it, but you know, once you get a few starts under the belt, the horse is uh, who the horse is, right? So the sire and, and and damn information may not be as relevant. But when you're looking at you know first time starters, when you're you know you're looking at a lot of these uh, very difficult uh, two year old races, say you know Saratoga or even even you know uh, you know coming up down the line um, with some of these top tracks running, it's nice to have some really easy sire and damn stats right at your fingertips. Here, there's also a research tab up top where you can dig a little bit deeper. I just wanted to point that out as an example of 
I, I do like Emery a lot. I think it'll sit perfectly for for uh, for Manny. I think it'll sit right off the pace, just as that first uh, first time out win. Uh, I think this this horse is only going to get better. I think it's going to be a very difficult horse to beat. I'll tell you another horse that contributed to that positive second time out to Brad Cox ROI, Matt. The great looms boldly. Yeah, that's right. I got to got to throw in the namesake there for, for sure. <laughs> Adding to those numbers. And uh, if you were to click on this, right? So when you click on it, it'll actually go through those statistics and bring up all of the different, um, you know, equibase sheets that uh, fit that. And you will find the one and only Looms Bully. <laughs> Excellent. It reminds me, I got to get the win picture that the one, the, my old, I've, I've been very fortunate in this game. I've had a bunch of winners as an owner. I only have one win photo that I'm in. It was Looms Boldly, and I still have not acquired it. I need to rectify that. Where should we go next, Matt? Yeah, well, P, I was going to say, out of all the things you have in the background there, you got to get, uh, you got to get the wild card for sure. So. I've got long on value over here, just out of view, but I couldn't make it that day. One of the biggest mistakes I made, you know, we had a family thing, and it was 4th of July weekend, and oh no, he'll run in Saratoga. We'll, he'll run at the Breeders' Cup. We'll, we'll have time to see him. I don't need to go to see him in the grade one yet. But anyway, where are we headed? Exactly. It's it's it horse racing so predictable, Pete. So you know I'm surprised it didn't work out exactly there. So uh so we'll we'll jump over to Keeneland and and um you know again I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it an, an, an angle here or give you an idea. This is more of kind of the not necessarily opinion on this particular race, but I want to highlight some of the real different things that you can do and how detailed or how broad you want to be. But you can take a look at stuff that's just kind of, you know, beyond just, you know, trainer, jockey, kind of the more uh, uh, easy to find statistics there. And, um, you know, what I what I looked at here is actually it's a collection of horses. So if you look at uh, Last Leave, Static Fire, Happy Soul in 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 the Thoroughbred Club of America stakes here at, at Keeneland, all of these horses have a particular angle that I, I've been doing a little bit of research on. I'm starting to dive into this a little bit more, and that's kind of a pro, one of one of the many projects I'm, I'm I'm working on here. But what shows up here is when we look at the Lasix, right? That's always been a big discussion of you know whether or not it makes a difference, does it not make a difference? And you know when you look at it overall, I do think there's obviously impact there. I, mean, I think that's kind of the basic, that's the obvious, and and. When I broke it down, though, I looked to see, okay, you know, is is it any different when you look at it from a female perspective or 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 male? And I noticed a pretty a pretty good size difference when it comes to the, the, the females running off of LASIK. So what you can actually do here on Racelands is look through medication. So you can actually build models off of medication, whether they're on LASIK, off LASIK, second time off LASIK third time off. So you can do all of these different uh, queries on there to see if, if anything comes up. And that's kind of the next stage of what I'm working on, but it's on a very basic level here, these three horses meeting that criteria. And, and again, the numbers, you have a large sample size here. So if you look at it, it's over 2000 races over, over the last year, you know, just, just 11% winner. So 22 wins uh, over this sample size in the last year and a negative 35% ROI. So Again, it, it just—I want to highlight that if you're looking to kind of pick through of maybe horses not having their 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 best day on the track, does medication contribute to it? Again, there's no way to, to definitively know, but again, I think this leads you in that direction to to maybe uh, maybe want to take a second look. As a guy who loves Ugiri and wanted to back up with Wicked Halo in this spot and not get clever, that actually is kind of a helpful little bit of information to me. You can see just with the win probabilities there, um, you know, uh, two horses that certainly 
look to be accounting for a lot of the market according to that aspect of the race lens algorithm. Do you use that win probability that you see there much? Uh, I do. And, and um, you know, we, we could take a quick uh, quick spin through it. So what I just selected here is what's called true odds. And this is like the AI portion of race lens, right? So if you want to just take what's given to you, and I, and I feel like this is something, so, you know, back when I first started, it was stats race lens. And this is something from stats perform that's continued uh, to funnel through the race lens product since it's all been brought in in-house with Equibase. Is, is basically using their AI algorithms to come up with their projections, come up with their pace projection, come up with their win probabilities. Uh, what you also have here, what I do like is it breaks down each horse, the run style, right? So like we talked about last time, if you're, you know, sustain early, presser, right? So it'll show all that. You'll have a late pace figure, which I really do love that they separate the late pace. And I do like their late pace projections uh, on here. I do use them often. If that, you know, if this were a live race, basically you would see what the live odds are and it would highlight. So right now it's highlighting happy soul at two to one because it's such a big difference when you, so it's, it's a, they're looking to project this horse to be much better than what the morning line is, 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 uh, is presenting. Now, as the race goes live, it will then draw in the live odds and then draw you to the attention where they feel the value is, right? So it's something that actively updates as the race is going on. It also gives you uh, odds to finish in the money, right? And it also will give you their final odds of kind of what their fair value is, right? Based on their projections, uh, it also takes in the public betting to see what their true. So this true odds will actually adjust as as the betting moves forward, but it gives you an idea of what their line is. The thing I do like, and I'll point out really quick here, if you select any of these, it will then order these in, 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 that, uh, in that selection. So if I want to know... Show me who has the best late pace in the race. It's literally just a click away, and I get a really clear idea of what we're looking at. Again, if I felt this was a race uh, that that I feel, uh, you know, we either have a meltdown or, or you know, I'm looking for something off the pace. But even in a case right here, if you're projecting a horse to be up towards uh, towards the pace and still has that late high late pace figure, um, again, I just thought that was it, it's an interesting part of of the AI portion here uh, yeah, to be able cool. to toggle and organize that so many different interesting tools where shall we uh, head next so let's um i want to jump over to um let's go let's go back to um to to the keeneland main page here and i'm going to jump up to race number 10 and give me kind of a, a a tale of 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 two horses here are really kind of two different situations Again, the point is to highlight how you can take something really broad and get an idea. And a lot of times that's a lot of stuff that's baked into what is in past performances or just easily uh, easily seen kind of off the cuff. And what I did was I looked at um, I looked at set piece and I looked at a couple of different couple of different things here. And anytime I see green, what that means is there's a positive angle that 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 that's going to be in play here. So obviously that draws my attention, right? So when I took a look at this, you know, the positive angle here is very, you know, very broad, very, very common. Just looking at jockey trainer combination here, and you look at Cox and and Florangeru together. Then I did it specifically for turf routes with graded stakes, right? So not any, anywhere specific. I just looked at it overall on a broader sense, and the numbers are are, are pretty impressive, right? So the run wow. through it over the last year, forty three percent winners, eighty six of them hit, eighty six percent hit the board. And then uh, you had a positive 173% ROI. 
If you go shorter with six months, hitting at 70% wins, uh, a positive 379% ROI. But if you backed out, so let's take a larger sample, right? Over a three-year period, still hitting at 28% and a positive 15% ROI. So when you look at this all around, like these are connections. This is obviously the go-to, uh, a go-to jockey for, for Cox, uh, but they, they do very well when it goes to turf routes and uh, when it comes to uh, graded stakes. Now, what I did was, you'll see it underneath it here, right? Kind of a competing statistic here. And and this kind of goes to the idea of why I like to use race lens overall. It'll be a good example. I take that broad statistic and then I say, okay, let me drill down a little bit. Let me see if Brad Cox and Florent Roux together are just better in different places. And it couldn't have stuck out more when it comes to when it comes to Keeneland. Right. So if you go to the last last Keeneland meet, they were 0 for 7 um, uh, for over the last year. Uh, only, I believe only 20% of them hit the board. And then if you look at it over a five-year period, it's still a pretty dismal number. So just hitting at 9% with a negative 73% ROI. So just 3 for 32 over that subset. So again, kind of gives you an idea. Look at a broad-based angle where you're really drawn to it. And uh, you know when these guys get together, they certainly mean business, which again, I'm not saying set piece can't get it done here, but when you drill down a little bit further, again, I don't think, I don't know if Keeneland is uh, is the spot when it comes to uh, these two getting together, specifically turf routes for greatest stakes. What do you make of that? And why, like just intellectually, putting the putting the, the raw data aside, and we talked about this uh, on the show last night too, with a great trainer like Steve Asmussen and the lack of success he's had at, at Keeneland. At what point does it make you veer away from the fundamentals of handicapping and want to look at an angle like that that just doesn't it don't you know what i mean it doesn't like compute to the human brain why that would be the case but it's so notable how do you reconcile that and and actually use it to make a decision one way or the other yeah i think it's significant i mean i know it's it's you know on, on the turf but I, again it just could be different courses different uh, configurations of the course also, something I'm working on too. It's, it's uh, interesting you asked that. Is that in in race lines you can do angles that have specific time frames, right? So looking at kind of the ebbs and flows of Cox's barn, there are certain times where his barn seems to peak and and, and to and to fall off. You know, is it does he, is he coming off of a meet where maybe the you know uh, the the stock's not there or just doesn't have that kind of layoff that he's looking for? So there could be a lot of different reasons there, but. Again, it just gives you kind of a, a pause and the point of really showing this there. You can get the basic stuff when you look at it in, through PPs. But I think sometimes digging a little bit deeper, you might find some more value where, where folks might gravitate towards uh, more of that general statistic than looking at some of the specifics. To interject some handicapping, the, no one agrees with me on this, who I've spoken with, but I really like Annapolis in this turf mile. I think he's going to get exactly the right kind of trip. I have some questions about Master of the Seas. If his more galloping style is going to be suited towards the tight two-turn mile. I like set piece a little bit, but, you know, he gets far back. We've talked about him up to the mark. This feels like it's, you know, plan B or plan C for him. They were, had been talking about him early in the year as one to stretch out to the turf. Now they're coming up with this, you know, on the fly plan to be a BC miler. It all just leaves me with questions. And meanwhile, I think Annapolis is going to get the jump on all those, get stalks of weak speed. And I think it'd make a major impact here in the in the Coolmore Turf Mile. I, I know you haven't done your full work on it, but uh, did you have any quick thoughts in terms of who you think might be uh, able to get the job done here? And then we'll we'll go to our final race. Yeah, I mean, just looking at my stuff on another screen over here, I just have a question mark in the notes section. Uh, I thought this race was tough. I mean, this is a race I want to take a price, right? This is a this is a race I definitely, if I'm just playing the race alone. 
Um, I, I'd like to try to get get a price on top, but also try to hook up a price underneath. So uh, I'm not leaning in a specific direction here, but I think this race is pretty even. I think this, this you can get actually a decent price in in, uh, in this field. I think. You give me some hope. You give me some hope with my Annapolis idea. He <laughs> did run his best, best race ever in this race last year, and it was weaker than this in theory. I just think he's going to trip out so nice. I don't mind the outside at all. Sit in behind the three, six, and seven. Get the jump on the one and the five. I, I'm I'm hoping he can get the job done. Yeah, I think he'll get a price too. So again, if you're if you're right, you're going to get paid to uh, you're going to get paid to be right. I, I just it'll actually be it'll be interesting to see where the board goes. Uh, in in this race, and uh, see if our good friend uh, Nick Tamlin on on the line, or or if we if we deviate, I am sure Twitter will let or or X whatever you want to call it will let us all know uh, exactly what the yeah what the right thing was apparently there. So I think he's probably right that the market will fall all over itself betting the one and the five and anything else you want, you're going to get a little bit of a price. Uh, where shall we go? Where shall we go next? We got about five minutes left. How, how shall we spend them? Yeah, let's uh, let's get out west to uh, to Santa Anita, um, which I'll, I'll give my uh, congratulations for moving away from the jackpot bet over to the uh, dollar yes. six. Although a bit of a hiccup there at the start, uh, but I uh, got it right and uh, just happened. And everything got paid out correctly in the end. Yes. Yeah, every everything got paid out correctly. I was just very confused when it. I wasn't playing it, but I was very confused when it popped up. I think I texted you like, "What's going on here? Like, yes. why is there a carryover?" And they pay, you know, there's so a little confusing. But again, I just I always like to you know we beat up tracks and and you know have different opinions on things in horse racing. I just don't. I think the positives get left behind sometimes. Here's the positive, yes. right? Because listen, yep. on a, on a takeout standpoint, a revenue generator that was making that was making money on on, on the track. To kind of hear out the horse player and go back to more of that traditional style of pick six, I think is commendable, and, and I'm just I'm happy I get to look at the pick six uh, at uh, at Santa Anita again. So I'm excited about that. Definitely. Uh, so I'm we're going, going to uh, yeah, going to the Rodeo Drive out at uh, Santa Anita uh, race race number eight. Um, and, and this is it's it's an interesting uh, view here, as you know, and I you know being on your airwaves, Pete, uh, I have. Uh, I have spoken of our um, our. I'm going to go to actually the number two here. Um, I've spoken very highly of our our uh, our, our uh, my my one of my favorite jockeys, uh, Berto Rispoli. Um, just fantastic rider. Um, I just yeah. I, I think he puts his horses in the right position. I think he's got that style of run. I call it the uh, you know the, the the Happy Valley style from Hong Kong, where it's just saving every bit of ground, waiting to the last minute and the, the last second, and switch your horse out, even if you got to go five wide and just and just finish. So even though I'm a huge fan of of, of Rispoli, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a different view here, and I'm gonna have some numbers that I take a look at. And, and again, I think that he has, I think he has a, a run style like I just mentioned. Uh, I think certain horses fit him very very well. I think the, the the mile, which is proven to be statistically a, a perfect distance for him with a horse that can lay either mid-pack or just off the pace because he does finish so well. I think he times his rides so well. But one thing I, I noticed one time, this going back last year, where I felt like horses that were more of that sustained run style that would come from off the pace, I felt like he got his horses. He kind of created trouble didn't quite have that same that same finish or, or I just felt he was, looked uncomfortable uh, out there. And again, it's it's not all exact science, but I figured, you know what, let me take a look at that. And I did. I looked at Rispoli for uh, turf routes 
um, with a sustained run style. And you can also dive into this a little bit deeper. You can actually set how far back the horse is at each call to try to create the scenario of, okay, this is a horse that really is well off the pace. And for all the success he's had on the turf at Santa Anita, at, at Del Mar, et cetera, um, he does struggle with these types of horses that do come from out of the clouds. And, you know, if you look at a sample size of 278 runners, just 12% winners out of that group and a minus 31% ROI and a lot of short prices went down. If you look at the detail section there. So that was something that I wanted to, to, I, to dive into because I noticed it with my eyes. I want to see if the numbers matched up. So I do think when you look at this, look at this horse, going to take money is probably going to go off as the favorite here. Uh, I felt that that was a statistic that uh, maybe kind of think twice. And I know I've kind of lived through it. So it's something I want to take another look when it comes to uh, looking at the morning line favorite here. Very interesting. And Anna said, who uh, will be the favorite in this spot, is going to have to uh, quite possibly pass them all in this spot. Didia, an obvious alternative potentially. And, you know, that's also East Coast Turf Forum Shipping West. That's something that we talk about all the time on these shows. So, yeah, maybe a reason to oppose this three-year-old moving up into uh, this grade two company against her elders as good as she's looked against uh, her own generation this could be a different ball game um any further thoughts matt from you on the rodeo drive or anything else quick we want to get to before we send this one home yeah just quickly i would say the horse i'm, I'm looking forward to betting uh in in this race and i definitely will be betting this this, this horse is uh turn loose uh on the front end on the inside um you know i just this is a, the for when you look at turf routes when you when you look at this distance specifically the front end seems to do extremely well uh so i did take a look at horses that you know you look at turf routes the basic right so you start from the basic and you kind of kind of drill in uh looking at santa anita turf routes projected to be on the first call projected to be on the lead at first call at an 81 uh, 81 uh, race sample size 31 percent winners and a positive 23 percent roi so something certainly to pay attention to uh, when you drill it down even further, right? So here's the idea of saying, okay, here's a basic subset. Let me go a bit further. So I did the same turf route, Santa Anita, uh, projected to be on the lead. I did uh, from post position on the inside. So post one, one to three. So you can actually set exactly where you're looking at for the post position that yep. goes into that same type of angle. And um, you can also look to see on a pace perspective, I wanted to see, with all that in mind, right? Turf route, um, you know, projected to be on the lead. I wanted the best early and best middle pace figure. I wanted to see how that played out. So does that early and middle pace start? To, is is it enough to kind of uh, carry horses to the line? And and, and to me, it, it it gets even you know a little bit better. So um, you know, forty six percent wins with a positive forty with a positive forty eight percent ROI when you drill down to that as well. So the numbers do get a bit big. Do get a bit better from that post position of turf routes uh and, and having that uh top early and middle pace figure so again just give you an idea of how you can kind of drill down and look a little bit deeper into these horses uh when it comes to uh some of these more general angles turner loose definitely looking live here for our friends at the medallion racing we'll be doing our final answer show for the breeders cup in just a few weeks time for them but this show has been brought to you by our friends at raceland you want to learn more about this amazing offer Get a giant discount on the year of race lens, as well as a year of In the Money Plus, which would get you our Breeders' Cup package, our Derby package, uh, all of our summer meet stuff next year. Fantastic value. Uh, 
inthemoneypodcast.com slash racelens. That'll get you all the info you need. That URL, once again, inthemoneypodcast.com slash racelens. Matt, hopefully you'll be part of our Breeders' Cup coverage as well. We haven't talked about it much, but hopefully the time will allow. And I know you're going to be back in the fold. We're going to be doing this educational series of questioning uh, racing, established wisdom, post-BC. That's a series I'm really looking forward to. Always a pleasure to work with you, my friend. Great being here. And uh, yeah, definitely will be uh, part of the, the Breeders' Cup coverage. And I'll just, I say this every year, I'll say it again. If you don't get it, if you get it just for the Pro Players Roundtable, the ROI on that is absolutely through the roof. So yeah, to me, you're crazy if you don't get it just for that. Now, when you got that Borman guy on, you got to get the kids out of the room for, for a bit, right? So you got to make sure they're out of the room. But uh, when uh, to, to, to set the stage with those guys, we, you, know, you look at the, the Matisses, you look at Sean Borman, uh, Marshall Graham. I mean, it's basically like sitting at the bar talking about these races and getting into their minds how they're going to play it. It's more of that free-flowing conversation. Uh, but uh, again, I think that is that, that if you're just going to get it for one thing, get it for that. But there's so much more beyond that. But that is by far and away the best value that's out there when it comes to uh, to, to Breeders' Cup. Love it, Matt. Thank you so much. We'll thank Aranda and Ellis and all our friends at Racelands. URL one more time, in inthemoneypodcast.com slash Racelands. Check out all the other content we've got on the network. We are loaded this weekend. We've got all these Breeders' Cup uh, betting uh, Breeders' Cup, uh, uh, what am I looking for? Challenge Series races covered in one form or another uh, in the moneypodcast.com. The place to check it out, look elsewhere on our YouTube channel as well. Appreciate you, Matt. This show's been a production of In the Money Media. We thank producer AJ for doing yeoman's work tonight as well. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos. <laughs>